Do we want to get right? Welcome Pewter Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am your host, John Ledyard, along with my good friend today, joined by Timo Riske from Pro Football Focus. Timo is not only a terrific analyst of all things football and all things NFL, he also happens to be one of us, a Bucks fan, a Bucks faithful, following this team through thick and thin over the years. Timo, thank you so much for joining me on today's show. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks for having me. I mean, obviously, it's it's more thin than than thick in, in <laughs> recent years <laughs> for the Bucks, but um, we might get there. At some That's point. true. Yeah, we. I think there's probably more hope maybe than in years past, and um, so it's been fun. I mean, I've only been covering the team for a little while now, and it's but I've enjoyed it greatly. Not only just because of the Tom Brady stuff, but also. I think the community that really has enjoyed the Bucks for years is is really cool. And one of the neat things is that you're in Germany. You're you're near Frankfurt, Germany, and you've become a Bucks fan from and a Bucks faithful from all the way from out there. And it's like, man, how do you pick the Bucks as your team? And you were telling me before we got in the air, it was almost a Falcons. You were almost a Falcons fan, but fate fate saved you. Fate intervened, didn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So um, basically, I had like four teams um, I liked. Um, it was like 10 years ago when I started uh, watching the NFL and I can't even remember which the other teams were, but the Falcons and the Bucks were were um, two of these. <laughs> and then I, I basically told my girlfriend to to get me Beanie for Christmas for an NFL team. And I, I yeah, I mentioned the four teams to her and it some, somehow it, it uh, yeah, it, it, she chose the Bucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, it wasn't that bad of timing for for 2020 anyway, because the Bucks have seemingly put together uh, a great collection of talent, a really fun collection of talent players. Um, you know that it, not only through the through the free agency, we all talk about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, but also through the draft and the way that they've built this team, especially on offense, uh, just doing some really really strong drafting there. All these pieces, Timo, and we have this group that looks so great on paper, and we've seen it for chunks of games, right? We've seen it for portions of the every game this season, but first half against Carolina in week two, first half against Denver in week three, even like last week, I mean, the Bears game, we saw in the first half, it looked like, you know, they're moving the ball well, and things seem like they're going well, and in the Chargers second half, you know, they're coming back and they're throwing the ball over the yard, and the deep ball is clicking everywhere, and then it just seems like consistency has been such a hard thing for this group in 2020 now what is stopping this bucks offense from being truly elite yeah that that's that's a good question because i mean obviously the the question going into the season um was like the first question was i mean what's what was tom brady i mean is, is he washed is he not washed right and i mean the good news is obviously he is not washed I mean, <laughs> right <laughs> he can he can still play pretty well and he also i mean he still has a lot of zip behind his brows you know, I mean, obviously he had had a lot of deep success. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we um, don't look at the best game, right. <laughs> and but but even it, like his intermediate throws um, over the middle, there there's still a lot of zip behind the throw. So there, I don't think there's a problem with, with Tom Brady. 
but yeah, the, so this is the good news. But on the other hand, this is also the bad news somehow. Like, yeah, your quarterback is playing well, and you you also have a lot of talent. Your offensive line is 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 playing is playing okay or even mm-hmm. even well. Right. And you also have a lot of talent uh, at receiver, and and still your offense is um, not not really clicking. And um, I mean, one one thing I noticed, um, um, which 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 worked really well for the for the Bucks last year and generally in, in previous years with James Winston was obviously, mm. um, I mean, they they got a lot of chunk plays over the middle, like, like these between ten and twenty yards um, over the middle. Yeah. Um, this this was where where James was really on the money. And um, I mean, Tom Brady can also make these throws, but um, what I noticed is um, the the Bucks just um, won um, a fewer routes over, over the intermediate middle. So basically, between ten and twenty yards, right? Um, deep, like over the middle, um, crossing crossing routes, stuff like this. They 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 haven't run these routes as as um, frequent as as last year. Right, we saw him um, a little bit in the Bears game, right? Or first couple times yeah, yeah, in the Bears the, game. Yeah, the I mean that that's that's another thing is I mean they they have been really good like in the first first drive or first two drives yeah. in, in basically every every game, and then they 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 are, they suddenly get get worse over <laughs> um over the course of the game. But but maybe I mean obviously the the guy who who does the most damage over the over the middle of the field in in this intermediate range is obviously last year and um yeah he hasn't really applied much this year so yeah there there's some hope maybe maybe um because maybe Evans just doesn't trust any any of these young receivers mm-hmm. um to to make these tough catches over the middle and that's why he, he didn't send them uh, there and yeah so maybe with Chris Godwin um fully healthy um we, we might see more production over the middle of the field yeah yeah that, that's a good that's 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 really um that's really important because it, it would put like in they are very dependent on the deep ball right now right at least right against the chargers or against the Broncos, the deep ball was was working really really well and against the bears it, it wasn't working at all yeah and then the offense stalled so if right. you can put put take a little bit of pressure off the deep ball with these intermediate throws um then yeah then there's some right. hope that the right would, no would get I think it's a great point. I think it's something that I have struggled to kind of put into words, but hearing you say it has kind of brought it to life for me. You're exactly right. There is kind of, we've talked about how Brady's been able to throw the deep ball great this season, and that's been awesome. And there's been plenty of the short stuff, but there has not been a lot of the intermediate stuff. And I think that's why I was so encouraged early in the start of that Bears game. I was like, man, like I feel like this team is finding the rhythm in the intermediate routes. You know, we saw Tyler Johnson over the middle a few times, and we saw Jaden Mickens uh, over the middle. Rob Gronkowski caught one across the middle of the field, so they were attacking the Bears horizontally, and it was allowing them to get vertical after the catch, and it was successful for them. And then it felt like in the second half they they kind of got away from that at some point. So we'll definitely talk about that. Do want to welcome in everybody who's kind of joining the show and getting some of those push notifications to their phone, hopefully, and kind of checking out what we're about. Want to let you all know this is a new thing we're doing at Peter Report. We are going live with our podcast. We're going to have a big announcement on Monday uh, that talks about uh, us kind of expanding our podcast and doing some cool, unique things with it. And so we're excited about that. Uh, welcoming you all to the show and say, hey, if you want to help us out, 
subscribe on YouTube, you know, go to Pewter Report TV, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we've added hundreds of subscribers in the last week, 10 days. It's been awesome. It's going to allow us to do some awesome things with this podcast, uh, but keep subscribing and keep helping us out and, and checking us out. Cause we're going to be uh, coming to you live a lot uh, throughout the week in season, out of season, draft season. Um, we're going to be bringing you lots of great content on this platform. So check us out and subscribe Pewter Report TV. Uh, make sure you're hitting us up on there. Um, Timo Riske from Pro Football Focus is my guest today, and he is offering some great insight on this Bucks offense. Timo, one of the things that we've talked about early, we, I remember you and I talking about it after week one, we were kind of like, man, if they go with a run-heavy approach like they are, especially on early downs, you know, we are going to be in a world of hurt. Since then, we have seen the Bucks and Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians, as much as we may criticize some things, and we'll get to that a little bit uh, in a little bit, but we've seen them go more pass-heavy in neutral situations. Can you just for the readers or for the listeners and the viewers right now, can you describe a little bit of what neutral situations are and why it's important to look at neutral situations when you're analyzing how pass heavy a team is on these early down situations? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing um, is, is obviously um, like on, on third down or so, I mean, whether, whether you throw the ball or whether you run the ball basically depends on, on, on the distance, I mean, on third right. and one, you, you obviously run a lot, and on third and ten, uh, you will basically always pass the ball. Um, so whether whether a team passes or runs on on third down is is not really not really reflects um, the the philosophy of the of the coach whether he wants to be one heavy or pass heavy offense. But like on on first and ten or second um, on, on second down, maybe excluding like like short yardage. Um, but but when you can also in, include short yards because obviously I mean like it, it, um, especially second and short are of course yeah. primed for for play action shots where you can where you can suck the defense in because they might expect a run and then then um, take a shot downfield. Um, so yeah, so basically measuring um, pass percentage or, or run percentage was obviously the same. Just. Um, um, yeah, it obviously adds up to 100%. Right. Um, so measuring pass percentage only on early downs um, is, is important, but um, obviously you also have to um, have to account for the game situation because I mean, if, if you trail by two scores or more, or if you if you lead by two scores or more, and if you lead, you will obviously run a lot. And if, if you trail, you will obviously pass a lot because True. it's the fastest way to, to right. somehow get back into the game. So basically neutral situation is basically first and second down um when when it's say like within i mean there are there are several definitions it, it doesn't really matter which you take like you can take okay within one score within two score or, or i mean there there are these uh, metrics like win probability and then you can basically say okay between 20 and 80 percent win yeah. probability is um is where, where the coach really decides what he wants to do and everything beyond that um depends a lot on the situation so if you have a win probability um, lower than 20%. I mean, of course, the coach doesn't know that because the right. coach will, will not know, okay, we have a win probability of 18%. I mean, he will not know mm -hmm. that, but of course he knows um, that, that he's about to lose the game. <laughs> um, yeah. And then he will, of course, pass a lot. Right. But, so these neutral situations are basically measuring whether a team is run-heavy or pass-heavy. Right. Yeah, and for the Bucks this year, I think they are currently like in these neutral situations, they what they passed the ball at I think at the tenth highest rate, ninth or right. tenth, something like that. Which um yeah, which is fine. Um 
Yeah, but but interestingly, it, it was basically like last year. I mean, I, I remember the same from last year. In the first game, and that's where we talked about it after week one. Mm -hmm. They they came. They started the season very run heavy against the Saints, and, and they did the same against the 49ers last year in week one. Mm -hmm. And yeah, obviously, it didn't didn't go too well. And then and then they <laughs> and, started taking off with the yeah, path again. And then they they started then they started <laughs> passing. Yeah, that sounds like the Bruce Arians we know and love. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you want to be able to, and I think, be efficient when you run the football. And certainly the Bucks have run it. You know, I think they've run it well this season. They've certainly run it better this season than we can remember in a long time. And Ronald Jones last two games as a Buccaneer, honestly, I mean, it, you, I don't think there's been two games like that for a Buccaneers running back since Doug Martin was you know, in his prime, uh, you know, having his great years in Tampa Bay. That's how good Ronald Jones has looked creating and breaking tackles and making guys miss on the second level the last couple of weeks as a runner. Um, so it's like encouraging signs, but at the same time, it's like, how much do we talk about it? Cause we know at the end of the day that if this offense is going to be successful, they're going to have to be able to throw the football well this season. And one of the things that they've done throwing the football well is play action. They've, they've, when they've gone play action, which is not a very high rate, it's one of the lower <laughs> rates in the league, I believe when they've done it, They've been great at it. They have a ton of yards off. And I think Brady, yeah. even though they're one of the lowest percentages in the league, he has one of the highest yards off play action in the league, um, yards gained off play action in the league. And he's been efficient at it. I mean, it's been almost like an automatic completion for them off play action, but there's still kind of this like lack of a move to it exclusively. We've seen, I think Josh Allen and Jared Goff lead the league right now in play action passes and voila, they're having great seasons. You know, it's just something that, it works for offenses. Like, I don't know that we, we can break it down, but I don't know that it even like, it just works. The data has proven that it works. Why won't the bucks go more play action heavy Timo? Yeah. It, it's a weird um, situation because I mean, it's obviously basically works for almost any offense. And um, I mean, obviously, I mean, I think it's, it's always, I mean, we should always be like um, um, cautious when, when we like criticize the, the play selection or the play calling of the coach, mm -hmm. because obviously they, I mean, they they should be the experts in that, and obviously they they um, I mean they have their reasons for for calling certain plays. Yeah. But I mean, the the thing with the, with the backs is like we have now uh, like I mean, yeah, obviously we have the Cruzarians and Biolevich came in twenty nineteen, and since then um, we just have have a sample of of play action working for the backs. They were, I think. Um, last year they were they had the second most yards per attempt of play action behind only wow. the Titans, <laughs> who obviously were very successful with play action. Yeah. And I mean, Jameis Winston famously threw uh, 30 interceptions, but but only two of them came off play action. Wow! So, I mean, wow! That's, that, that's crazy, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And so they, they were really successful of play action <laughs> last year. So it, it's working for this offense. And and this year it's the same. They're they're currently. Um, they're currently leading the league in yards per attempt of play action. I mean, and that that's that's a crazy stat actually. Yeah. So so off I mean off play action, the backs, um, yeah, they're they are leading the league in yards per attempt. So obviously, they have more yards per attempt than the Titans, the Tennessee Titans uh, of play action, and of of all other plays or so of of non play action passes, they they also um, have more yards per attempt than the Titans. But actually, they are both bad. So the backs are like twenty eight. <laughs> In, in yards per attempt um, of non-play action passes, <laughs> and the Titans are 30, 30 um, first, so they are both bad. Gaining yards is good, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the backs are better of play action, 
and they are better off non-play action than the Titans. But overall, when you look at that plays, the Titans are better. They have more yards per attempt. And the only reason for that is that they are using play action more often and play action gains more yards generally. Crazy. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, a, that's it's crazy. that that perfectly describes um, yeah. why the Bucks aren't using enough play action. And I think currently they're even 32nd in play action position. Yeah. The Bucks and the Steelers are the two teams <laughs> which, which don't like play action. Right. Right, the steel, and the steel. I'm a Pittsburgh guy, so from there, and I know they've never. It's never been. I don't know if it's Ben Roethlisberger. They never. <laughs> they haven't used it a lot since he's been there, or whatever. But it's funny for the Bucks because Tom Brady has used it yeah. a lot in the past. I mean, not at a like prolific rate necessarily, but like he's been one of. You know, it's been one of the higher rates in the league certainly yeah. for a while, and 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 it's been something that's been successful for him clearly, and that's been great in Tampa Bay, and it's translated, it's worked, and they've hit deep balls, and like you said, they're churning out yards on on play action highest in the league you know yards per attempt for play action but it and and the rest of the passing attack it's not like it's it's not been good enough and they're still not using you know play action which has clearly been strong uh for them and they're not using it enough and they say they say this and i don't know that they even believe it team i know we hear coaches (laughs) say this they say you have to establish the run that's what we've heard byron leftwich and and bruce aaron say to establish the run to be able to go play action well, they've run the ball great the last two weeks, and their play-action attempts really haven't increased by much. I think it was 6-6-6 six, six, six the first three uh, weeks of the season, and then it was like 8 or 9 and 8, I think, play-action attempts. So like maybe two or three more reps a game if you're running it well, I guess. But over those first three weeks, they didn't really run it great. I know Fournette had the big run at the end of week two, but then over the last two weeks, they've run the ball well pretty much throughout the game, and they've really barely – and deployed more play action. I don't even know if that's just a thing coaches say at this point. Yeah, it, it's but really that has shown us it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, and, and their own team was an example last year. I mean, they, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't run the ball well last year, and and they still were like the best offense of play action with with James Winston. So it's it's weird, and and I mean, obviously, I mean, play action helps an offense at, at many at many levels, and I mean, we can like analytically show this. I mean, obviously, the, the first thing is it it. Um, it helps opening passing lanes over the middle because the linebackers are just um, not not there where they would yeah. really would be in coverage. But I think the the even more valuable thing, and this is what would really helps the backs, is it, it slows down the pass rush. So um, the pass rush just on average comes comes to the quarterback um, later in the snap on play action than on non play action throws. And especially when you, when you run an offense like the backs, so you want to throw down the field, you have long developing routes. Then it, it makes so much sense to, right. to give your receivers more time to get open and then give the quarterback more time to, to find an open receiver when you have these long developing plays. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's why they are so successful in play action, I guess, yeah. because they have the time to to wait for the receivers to get open, but but for some reason they, they won't use it. Yeah. And I think it, it would also help, um, um, like, give give Ronald Jones some confidence. I mean, that, that, that's Ronald Jones' problem right now. I mean, he, he doesn't really help in the, in the passing game. He has, has a lot of traps, and yep. I don't think he's really confident right now catching the ball. But, but yep. I mean, play action obviously also gives some space um, underneath for, for the running back or in the, in the flat. Um, he, he just gets, gets it should get more space um, right. on, on play action. So you could give him the ball in space, could, yeah, create some confidence for him. Some, right. some easy some some easy chunk plays for him i mean i think this this could really help him because i mean obviously he physically um is able to to yeah 
to yeah. catch the ball and, and 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 make some people miss. I mean, he's showing that in the run game, so he mm. should be able to do that in the passing game. But yeah, I think it could help them at, at, at many different levels. Right. Yeah, it's it's crazy that we've at this point in the season and it doesn't feel like it's clicked in with the coaches that that might be a better idea to deploy it more. I don't think it's like a death knell or anything like that, but at the same time, definitely something to watch and monitor moving forward is how this team uh, deploys play action and if they increase their play action usage, although the sample size with Bruce Aarons over the years has told us that's probably pretty unlikely. But So I wouldn't necessarily bet on the Bucs going uh, more play action moving forward this season, but one place you can bet is with our friends over at MyBookie. Between the NFL, college ball, and MLB playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use our promo code Pewter right there on the screen for those of you who are watching live. P-E-W-T-E-R, Pewter, to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Timo, one of the things that we talked about just this past week, it was it was made really evident from the Bears game. And I think viewers, people who are watching right now are kind of this is going to resonate with you a little bit, is the off coverage that the Bucs played against the Bears. I mean, it just seemed like this team was not being aggressive enough defensively with the deployment of their corners and taking away some of the space that receivers had just to get open underneath and to continue to catch short, uncontested passes from Nick Foles, which allowed them to move down the field a couple times in this game. Uh, there was one drive in particular, I think it was the Bears' penultimate field goal drive of the game, where they got down the field, I think it was chunks of like nine, eight, nine, seven, eight yards, and it was all uncontested underneath throws, and there was no adjustment uh, in that situation from defensive coordinator Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, I think he's a heck of a defensive coordinator. I know fans after the game were like, why do people talk about Bowles so much? He's a heck of a defensive coordinator. He's done a great job. One mistake doesn't define that. But I did think this was a mistake. I thought that the deployment of his corners in more press situations could have been a, a situation that could have saved the team yardage and, and important yardage in a game that wasn't very high scoring. And I talked to Jamal Dean a little bit about it the other day, and he said we were expecting him to throw deep more. We thought on tape Nick Foles had thrown a lot of deep balls, and we thought you know if we could take that away that we'd stop their offense. But he adjusted and threw underneath a ton. Now I get that, but at the same time, then I'm like, man, you know, then maybe you guys should adjust as the game goes on and you see what he's 
what he's struggling to do well and what he, you guys are able to take away from him. Um, the other thing is that Carlton Davis has been great in press man this season, and he's hardly been able to do it 34 times. You told me he's been, he's been able to play in press coverage situations this season and has done well in it. It seems like it's the best fit for him. We saw him struggling some in zone the other night. Uh, I think of the catch by Allen Robinson, now the sideline uh, where he got turned around a little bit. And then we think of the Darnell Mooney double move on the post corner route that should have been a touchdown if Nick Foles hit him uh, early in the game. I think it was maybe early second quarter, first play, second quarter. Um, those plays kind of are like, okay, this is something that, and it's not just this game either. I just think in general, Carlton, Dav- Carlton Davis has been better in press coverage and uh, it's not been something that the Bucks have used very much for whatever reason. Is that the same? If you look at last year, is that was that the case last year with them as well? And you know, what is what is the what is the reasoning? Maybe do you think behind so little deployment of press coverage when you have all these corners that are huge and you think would be drafted uh, to be able to play in press situations and disrupt receivers off the line of scrimmage? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, yeah. Um... I mean, against Nick Foles, I mean, I, I could imagine that they um, that they overcorrected a little bit uh, because of um, Justin Herbert beating them deep like a few times. I think like he got them at least sure. three times or so, and they they got two touchdowns out of it. Maybe, maybe they overcorrected a little mm-hmm. bit, and um, because obviously Nick Foles um, is also not not bad at um, um, throwing an accurate an accurate ball when he has a has a clearly defined read like clearly defined one-on-one matchup i think that's what they wanted to avoid yeah but but as you say i mean it obviously didn't work didn't work very very well i mean they were able to get some some of these like seven eight yard gains um and and move move, yeah move the ball march down the field and yeah they, they they could have adjusted a little bit especially um late in the game i mean like because also time play plays a factor obviously because mm-hmm. I don't I don't know um, how many time was left on the clock when when the Bears got the ball to to score the game winning field goal but obviously I mean if if you run I mean if you allow a score there I mean you you whether want to make it happen fast right right so I mean there there is there's basically no value in 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 playing playing off coverage and yep. uh, allowing these seven eight nine yard gains and the clock takes like thirty seconds after after each snap and right. And then the Bears can just kick field goal with um, with, a, with a few seconds left. I mean, there was more left because um, because they they passed at the end. I think they passed runs, with, but if they if they just uh, win the ball when they were like in, in for when they had like a forty yard field goal, whatever it right. was, um, I think they could have went clock down to twenty five seconds or so because yeah because they had these these, these short gains. Um, right. Yeah, that, that's a situation where where I would wish they they would. Be a little bit more aggressive and then press coverage so okay yeah. if, if they beat us that's fine but at least we get the ball back with like two minutes left and, and tom brady can can win the game yeah um that's but, a good point thinking about the clock like that is not something that i found a lot of coaches do well is thinking about the clock and kind of all situations even when your defense looks like they're gonna give up a score okay it's about how how much time can we preserve how can we make it tougher for them to keep the clock moving basically and and you know in that situation it's like if the Bears are going to throw these short passes, you know, you know, and 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 the clock that clock is going to be moving in those situations, it's almost like allowing them to run the ball, but for a, probably a bigger game than you would likely get. I think by averages uh, yeah. when you do run the ball, and so you're allowing that to kind of happen and not contesting it. So that's why in those situations, and I, you know, it's a big reason why the perfect example. Of what you're saying is when Carlton Davis 
broke up that jump ball to, to Allen Robinson late in the game. He's in press man situation and he's able to turn, find that football playing in those tight quarters like that. He was not giving up any space. So he's able to get up contest and knock away that throw. And, and that incompletion basically allowed them to have a chance to win the game without that incomplete. That ball is complete. And obviously I don't, I wouldn't say the bears chose the highest, most, uh, most efficient uh, route to be able to throw to there to keep that clock moving. But if it's the ball is complete, it's probably game over for the. I mean, they're not going to have a yeah. chance, you know, time wise to be able to do that. So yeah. that kind of speaks to what you're describing there. And speaking of game situations, we got a good question question from Alex McBean. He asks, "What do we think about uh, Bruce Arians' choice to kick the field goal? So fourth and one and a half, I think it was. It was third and seventeen. Brady threads the needle between a couple of defenders. A great pass that we overlooked. I think moving on from the game because there wasn't much reason to go back and talk about it, but." He got him from a third and 17 to a fourth and one and a half situation without much to work with on the play by with a great throw. And Gronkowski gets about a yard and a half short of the first down, fourth and yard and a half. And from the seven-yard line of the Bears and the Bucks decide to kick it, uh, kick the field goal and take at that point was a 19-17 lead. Uh, I forget how much time was left. I think it was like five minutes, I want to say, or something like that. A little, I think it was 4.52, I want to say it was left. So yeah, I think it was roughly five minutes. Yeah, something around there. So that situation, you're you're an analytics guy. I know this, you're a numbers mm-hmm. guy, and you've crunched it on this, and you've kind of thought through the scenarios, even though I think we knew this one live. What's the best thing that Bruce Arians should have done, could have done in this situation? Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 would, I would have tried to, to get the first down. Mm-hmm. Um because I mean, there. I mean, obviously, you, yeah, I mean, if, if you run the numbers, they, they, I mean, they just say it. So they, they say, okay, you increase your win probably by by like whatever, like four percent or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, but there are a few reasons because I mean, the the problem is I mean, you kick the field goal there. Um, I mean, obviously, the Bears didn't score on the next drive. They they punted it back once and they, then they scored. But um, so you score the field goal. You kick the field goal there you are up by one or two points and um there are like five or four thirty left and there's always the risk that um the bears manage to get a long field goal drive yeah right and right and and the problem is with, with field goal drive the so if the bears manage to to get a long drive and then they are in field goal range and then they can um obviously at this point the, the bucks will have used their timeouts and then they can perfectly time their kick so basically so if, if the bears are at the, at the 15 yard line um and there there's two minutes left and the bucks have used their timeouts then then it's basically game over because right. the bears can just run the clock down and then make make this kick obviously they could also miss this kick but um it's yeah, just about playing the averages right it's a, no, no situation guarantees you a win it's just about putting yourself in the best position mathematically based on history and all the data that we have to be able to win right right and, and not, nothing's more frustrating than than losing to 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 a game-winning field goal and, and you mm-hmm. can you just can't make, do anything about it because they're in field goal range you've used your timeouts and they can just run out the clock and kick this field goal and and yeah so so going up going up by more than a field goal so i think they were down one yeah they mm-hmm. were down one uh and so if, if they if they manage to score a touchdown on this drive, they are up by six or probably best or probably by five or seven, depending on whether they would have um, managed to get this. Right. I, mean, I don't know, but of, but of course they they are they are up by so the the Bears need a touchdown, 
And if the Bears need a touchdown, they cannot manage the clock that well because I mean, you, you cannot time a touchdown, right? Because even if right. you're at the five yard line, you have to you have to try to punch it in on any play. You cannot say, okay, let, let's let's let the clock you know, let's run the clock down and then score this touchdown on the on the last play. This isn't possible. I mean, if, right. if, you, if you need a touchdown, you, you have to score the touchdown as fast as possible because you never know when you will get another chance to punch it in. So that's that's of course um, an advantage. And the other thing is, I mean, you need to stop the Bears anyway, as I explained. I mean, if the Bears get a, get a long field goal drive, they will win this game if, after you kick the field goal. So even if you don't get that um, fourth down and, and you fail and the Bears get the ball at their own, I think it was the seven-yard line, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you still have the chance to stop them. And you have to stop them anyway, because if you don't stop them, they can they can kick game-winning field goal themselves. So. Um, you have to stop them anyway. So, so if you fail on fourth down, you just try to stop them. And if you manage to do that, you get get another drive. And on this drive, so if you fail on fourth down and then you manage to stop them, then you have probably the last drive. So on on, on your next drive, then you can kick the field goal on fourth down because yeah. um, it will probably be the last drive because there's only a few seconds left. Right. So, so it's about managing those clock and game situations yeah. again, which you said is a challenge for more coaches than just about. I know box fans are going to be like, Arians always does that. And that is probably true. But I've seen Mike Tomlin, who's a great head coach, do it for years. We saw Andy Reid, who's a great head coach, struggle with it over and over again for years. You know, so it is, I don't know why, but it's, it's a hard thing for a lot of coaches. So, yeah, great points and thoughts about that game. Thanks, Alex, uh, for that question as well. Uh, we'll keep rolling because we got to talk about the Packers a little bit here, Timo. I mean, we have, we've barely even talked. We've talked a lot about Buck specific stuff and getting behind the numbers, which has been great with Timo Riske, who uh, from Pro Football Focus, who does a lot of analytics and data work uh, for them. Uh, and I'm kind of always going to him for cool stats and stuff like that and, and charting information and things of that nature. So make sure you're following him uh, on Twitter at PFF underscore moo m-o-o uh make sure you're giving him a follow there uh terrific fall lots of good information uh coming out of that account aaron Rodgers, timo this guy is on a tear the analytics community was tough on Rodgers and deservedly so i think the last couple of years i mean he's been fine but not aaron Rodgers' standards and when a player sets a standard for themselves it's okay to talk about them within the context of that standard when you're analyzing their play and Rodgers just simply hasn't been a top quarterback Um, you know, in that conversation, MVP type conversation uh, for a little while now. But this year, different story. We're seeing a different Aaron Rodgers. What's your observations been on him? And is there any way to kind of disrupt what he's doing in this Packers offense right now? Yeah, I mean, mean, so far this season, he's basically playing this take-free football. I mean, there there isn't a lot to to (laughs) nitpick about his play Um, so far. I mean, a problem for him – and in, in, in recent years was he just didn't get rid of the ball in time, whether this was because his receiver didn't, didn't get open very well, but he still has the same receivers and um, suddenly it's working. So, so I mean, it, it's not clear why, why he wasn't get rid of the ball in time, but it, it led to late throws, um, throwaways. He took much more sacks than, than he used to take um, uh, when he was at the, at the same MVP level. But, but this season, this is all gone. He, he doesn't take sacks anymore. He hardly has any throwaways, and obviously also doesn't have any deceptions. But that 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 never was a problem for him. I mean, he also mm-hmm. used to protect the ball very well. But 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 all his problems, and getting rid of the ball early, um, all these problems are gone suddenly. So that's good news for a Packers fan. 
and that's that's definitely bad news for for the backs we got regarding the sunday game um but obviously the backs are the should be by far the best defense um he, he's facing this this season um i mean obviously he played against right. the falcons that's that's not really a defense yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Vikings states have struggled it's not been a great defensive slate that they've gone against for sure yeah, the, the Saints are also, I mean, struggling this year, obviously, right. on defense. So he hasn't he hasn't really played a good defense. So the backs are really the first test. But I mean, the bad news is when a when a good offense and the Packers are probably the best offense of the league right now mm -hmm. uh, meets a good defense, then what what the um, what history has shown that usually the the good offense um, wins. So right. basically, wins this matchup. So. So it's not that like the best offense and the best offense is not neutralized by the best defense. So the best offense will still usually will still play a good game. And obviously, the best offense will usually play worse than than against the Falcons. I mean that that's right. what we hope. But they will still play. They are still expected to play an above average game. So in other words, that's what the Bucks offense has to do on the other right. side of the ball. Yeah, I um, think you're exactly right. I think it's about what the Bucks do offensively more than is defensive. Like you said, when a good offense meets a good defense, most of the time a good offense is going to win out, especially when you're schematically advanced like the Packers are. They offer a yeah. lot for a defense to prepare for. It's tough, and the Bucs might be banged up too. No Vita Vea um, and, and no Carl, maybe no Carlton Davis. We'll have to see, hopefully, if, if he can't play, that's pretty scary for the Bucs. But uh, I think that that's – you know, without those guys, it's like even more. Like this offense – has to be great for this team to win in this game. And so that brings us almost to the other side of the ball. We talk about Aaron Rodgers all we want, and it's great to talk about him because he's really good. But at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know that we can – I don't know that you're going to, like, annihilate Aaron Rodgers in this game. You hope your defense is better than the Packers' defense, basically, in a matchup of two really good offenses. I think that's kind of I mean, how I see I, it. And I think – I mean, I, I don't know whether the Bucs match up well against the Packers – I mean, the Bucs' defense against the Packers' offense because – I mean, I think the the best thing would be like um, double Devonta Adams, who should be back. Right. Back, I think he should be. Back. Correct. I yeah, he'll be so. back. And I mean, obviously, I mean, the plan would be to to double Devonta Adams as as often as possible, and then play aggressive coverage against against the other receivers, which should struggle to to get separation against against aggressive coverage. Um, but obviously, this is tough for the Bucks because they they want to blitz so much. So I mean, it's obviously it's hard to um, double Monte Adams and and still blitz a lot. Um, that's that's um, not not really possible. And obviously, yeah, Aaron Rodgers hasn't shown any any problems against the blitz this season. Right. So um, yeah, they they don't match up very well, I think. Um, so yeah, basically, they they have to they have to play man coverage, shut down shut down these receivers. I think that's the 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 best chance to um to disrupt Devin Rushes a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's why I hope that the press man finally comes out this week. We'll have to see. But Douglas O'Connor asked a good question. He hasn't heard anything about the Packers defense. What do they do well? Where do they struggle? They're honestly they have aren't like a terrible team in most categories, I think, right now. But I, you know, defensively, not a lot of people think of the Packers as a weak team, but I did see they were fourth worst in DVOA, uh, football outsiders. Um, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I know they're 30th in defensive pressures right now. And they're, I think 30th as well in blitz rate among NFL teams. So in terms of what the Packers do well, just to let you know, Douglas, anybody else who's listening, the Packers 
do not blitz very often. They have not gotten pressure with four like they did last season. And so there is going to some point, I bet, come an adjustment game where they're like, okay, we're not getting the pressure we want. Maybe it's this week. We're going to blitz like crazy. And so I think the Bucs need to be ready for that. Most teams, when they don't get that pressure, it kind of comes to that point where it's like, okay, we're going to create it and we're going to go crazy trying to create it. And if the Bucs are ready for that, I think they can hit some plays off of it. So that's one thing to watch for with them. They'll mix up their coverages. Jair Alexander and Kevin King mostly play just outside guys, and it's Will Redmond, Shannon Sullivan in the slot. So, yes, if you're thinking about Chris Godwin in the slot, he's probably going to have an advantageous matchup. If you're thinking about Mike Evans moving to the slot, so far, the bat, and I know they've, been, they've missed out on playing some of the top receivers with Michael Thomas' injury, and I think – Kenny Galladay, maybe his injury, Julio Jones didn't play much of that game. So we'll see how they match up. Jair's followed number ones before in the past. He's, I think he's PF, he's your guys' number one ranked corner, isn't he, right now? Um, Timo, without, even though he's not following receivers, Jair Alexander? Um, I think so. He's, he's, yeah, he's very high, graded, having a great season. High. I don't know the, the exact ranking, yeah. but it's, it's, I think it's very high right now. Right. So I don't know that there'll be a team that where Jair Alexander follows Mike Evans because it hasn't been what they've done so far this year. But this is also the first time that they'll face a team with these kind of weapons that are that are. Well, you hope they're healthy. Um, so it, Packers could do some things that are unorthodox. But right now, Kevin King and Jair have played outside. So to me, given the Packers weakness being a nickel corner and their linebackers not having been a strength for as long as I can really remember, especially in coverage. Um, yeah. that, attack them in the middle of the field, and it goes back to what you and I talked about, Timo. If we can, if the Bucs can attack this team horizontally, crossing patterns and things like that, I think the middle of the field, that kind of stuff might be there for the taking. Yeah, I think that's that's also where the, the Saints um, had success against them. I think this wasn't the, the Packers game. Wasn't this the game where, where Drew Brees looked really washed? Yes. And, and, and I think they still... They, they still had a lot of offensive success because basically Alvin Kamara right. completely crushed them. Yeah. Bucks don't have the the running back to do that. So they should yeah, they should probably attack these these linebackers a little bit more down the field with Godwin. Mm-hmm. Um Cameron Braid could, could play could play a big role now that OJ Howard is um right. gone for the season. That's right. that's probably um the, the way to go. I mean obviously, right. yeah, Mike Evans can always stretch the field. Um, right. That's um, no matter what, but yeah, I think going 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 against these linebackers with, with yeah. Godwin and um, the corners, the corners on the outside for the Packers, even though they're good, Kevin King's still kind of up and down, and he is he will bite on stuff. Jair Alexander will bite on stuff. You know, as good as he is, that's something that both of them do. So I do think you know we saw Scotty Miller last week uh, early in the game. He hit a double move on Jalen Johnson and got him, and the ball went somewhere else. But I think. It's one of those situations where if you look at the, th- the process of the Bucs, I think this, I think they can score. I don't think the Packers' defense has been awesome this season. Another thing they haven't done well, I know just looking at team tackle rates at Pro Football Focus and what you guys have as in grades, Timo, is that they have not tackled very well. The Packers have been one of the worst tackling teams in the league uh, per your your team grading systems. And so the Bucks don't have a ton of like yak guys and break yeah. tackle after the catch guys, so I don't know how much it will matter, but I know that getting Chris Godwin back helps a lot he is kind of their their big threat in that way and i think scotty miller's flashed enough for me to be intrigued about him in that way as well so it is going to be a fun matchup but hopefully that gives you some idea douglas about what the packers do well i do think they defend the run well and they're getting kenny clark back he's a great player and they you know tyler lancaster uh kingsley kiki they have a lot of guys dean lowry in there who've stopped the run really well this season uh, as a collective group and so you know the edges play the run really well and so 
I do think that that will be key in this game is if the Bucks try to establish a run-heavy approach, I don't know that they'll be um, maybe as successful uh, as they should be uh, in this game, as you hope they would be, and as I think they really kind of need to be uh, to in order to kind of achieve the success offensively that's going to keep them in this game. Talk to you a little bit about my friends over at Briar Greaves Insurance. Storm season is here. Don't wait to review, review your insurance policies. Call Briar Greaves Insurance, which is family owned and has served the greater Tampa Bay area for 30 years for your home, auto, boat, life, commercial, and flood insurance needs. If you go see them and talk to them, they're probably going to talk some Bucks football with you. Big Bucks football fans as well, but we all know. Y'all don't mind that talking a little bucks football with them. A lot of homeowner companies are canceling, not renewing policies, leaving Florida or increasing premiums significantly. Call Briar Greaves and speak directly to Briar or Sam for a personalized touch for information on the best rates. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big fans of the Buccaneers and proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast on pewterreport.com. Visit briargreavesinsurance.com. That's B-R-I-E-R-G-R-I-E-V-E-S insurance.com or call 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166 today. The last thing we'll talk about, Tima, before we wrap up this podcast, is this finally the week? We've talked about it a little bit. We touched on it a little bit. Is this finally the week? The Bucks offense puts it all together. They stop shooting themselves in the foot with penalties. They stop dropping the football. They were doing a better job with the play calling, but they handle game situations the way that they should. Turnovers haven't been a huge problem, but they stay away from that. Is this the week that they finally put it together? What are you thought? your thoughts? If you want to offer a prediction for the game, you can. I don't want to put you on the spot, but – this is your opportunity to do so. I mean, that's that's always a tough question because I mean, obviously, yeah, they they have all, all the tools to to put it together. Yeah. But obviously, they yeah they they haven't yet. Um, maybe maybe against the Chargers a little bit, especially mm-hmm. in the second half, that, that was really good. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they 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 will play a good game on offense. Um, but I doubt that they will will score enough to 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 really beat. Um, to really score more than Aaron Rodgers. Gotcha. So, um, I, I think, yes. I, yeah, I think, um, I, yeah, I think the Packers will, will, will win this game, but I think the offense will, will play well. It, it just uh, will, will not be good enough to, right. to keep pace with, with the Packers offense at this point. Yeah. You're going the direct. That's what Scott said. He's Scott said, <laughs> he said Packers. I picked the Bucks yesterday on the podcast. I'm believing they put it all together in a crazy game and I think they find a way, but should be fun either way. This is going to be appointment TV. There is so much to look forward to in this game. There are awesome matchups in this game individually. There's team matchups. There's Jamal Williams uh, saying on a podcast that uh, you know his quarterback would never forget what down it is. Um, and you know, so there's a little bit of that chirping going on. That of course Brady's not going to hear about at all, and there won't be extra motivation. And so there's just a lot of fun layers and elements of this game. It'll be nationally broadcast. And I think there's only one other game because of the schedule changes on it. It's only Dolphins, Dolphins versus Jets. Yeah, so Dolphins versus Jets. It's basically like a primetime game because right. So it's not, basically not many like the, other game. Right. the other game. Yeah, and I think yeah. the Saints Bucks Week One already set the or beat the previous year's Week One Fox game by like. A, a lot uh, in terms of the rating. So it's going to be a fun game. Lots of eyes on the Bucks, and they're going to have a chance to show what they can do against maybe the best team in the NFL. So yeah. looking forward to it. Timo, thank you so much for joining me again. For everybody, you can follow Timo on Twitter at PFF underscore 
Moo. You can follow him on, on Twitter. Timo Risque, everyone. Uh, Timo, thanks so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. We'll do it again sometime too. And remember, Pewter Report fans, go subscribe to us on YouTube. We're going to be going a lot live a lot with the podcast. We're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff with it. So make sure you're subscribing. Pewter Report TV, you can search us and find us on YouTube uh, and you'll be able to subscribe there. And we're going to have a lot of fun with this podcast and with your listenership. So for Timo and for myself, your host, John Ledyard, thanks so much for joining us on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out.